0: Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that my short story is available for free at johntilton.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'll send you both the ebook and audiobook of Doomed Dune. In this middle-grade adventure, a girl named Melina travels to a forbidden landmark guarded by tyrannical robots, but her life turns upside down when she discovers a true reason it's off-limits. Discover Doom Dune's secret by heading over to johntilton.com. That's J-O-N-T-I-L-T-O-N dot com. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Cause of Craft. I'm your host, John Tilton. Why do we create? Where do our ideas come from? What does our craft say about us? These are the ideas we explore here on the show, and this week I'm joined by designer and writer, Megan McCullough. We discuss best practices for collaboration, how self taught approaches can benefit learning, and we compare the similarities and differences between novel writing and graphic design. Welcome to the show, Megan.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: So Megan, I'm really excited to have you on the show, not only because I really like your work and you're a pretty cool person, but on top of that, a lot of people who listen to the show, actually everyone who listens to the show is familiar with at least one of your works because you designed (laughs) the cover of Cause of Craft.
1: Yes, I did.
0: And uh, I just want to thank you kind of publicly for all that because we've received so much good feedback on the show, but I think the top comment so far has just been about how great the podcast artwork is. And so a lot of my life right now is me worrying about how I'm going to make the podcast live up to your fantastic artwork. <laughs> um, so I'm really appreciative of of the work that you put into that.
1: Uh, thank you. I had a lot of fun doing it. So. It was it was a fun project.
0: It was fun for me too, like just going back and forth with things. I imagine in the future, I'll probably work with you know various designers from cover art to inside of the book and things like this. But this was kind of the first bigger collaboration on something that I've done in recent memory. So it was fun to get into that. That's some of what I wanted to talk to you today about because collaborative experience, I think, is is very different than um, writing. And you write books as well. Is that correct? Yes, I do. So you're both an author and a designer. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the differences between those two approaches to things.
1: It is very different. Sometimes I have trouble kind of going back and forth just because like they are such different creative processes. Like with design, it's a lot quicker and you have a visual result. So I kind of see it as like I'm telling a story with something visual, with artwork and illustration and stuff like that. And then with a book, it's obviously a much longer process because, you know, 70,000 words is a lot different than like, you know, spending eight hours on a design or something like that. But yeah, it's it's different. Um, it takes a lot of planning for both, at least for me, because I'm, I'm definitely a planner when it comes to writing um, So, you know, that's different for a lot of people, but I'm a planner. And then when it comes to design, I also plan and I kind of do it in steps, um, almost the same as how I do it with a book. I have like a little, I'll have rough sketches and then slowly I'll whittle it down and add details and everything until I have the final result. And that is actually how I do it with, um, with writing because I have... You know, I'll have my rough draft and then slowly I'll edit it and uh, make it better, refine it until I do have that final perfected draft. So that is very much the same. But I don't know. They're just they are really different mediums.
0: So it's almost like the, the creative approach is a little bit different. Like the mindset you're in might be different, but it's interesting because when you were answering that, the way you went about it was talking about how, Oh, they're so different. And then you mentioned two like very core similarities in that as well, though. Uh, and I think that's super interesting because now that you're saying it, I noticed when we were swapping, when you were giving me designs and I was giving you notes and we were going back and forth about the cover art for the podcast I could almost see kind of your vision for the idea for the cover art becoming more crystallized. And now that you're saying it here, I'm thinking about how that is kind of similar to my writing process where I will have the idea, but then it's not until I actually start writing it and then going back and editing it and doing more drafts that it becomes more of a crystallized vision. And that was kind of the same as... You know, when I get when I got the first set of designs from you, they were kind of these they, they were like you could see exactly where they were all going. But it was this initial sketch that it was like, oh, yeah, if this gets more development, like I like this path that we're going down. And I like the the one difficult thing was I liked all three paths that you gave <laughs> me. But uh, but it was it was cool to see just the different ways it could go and then seeing how the design evolved over time as well.
1: Yeah, and I didn't really even realize that I kind of take a similar approach with both until I just started talking about it. So
0: that was really cool too. (laughs) I think that's kind of the good thing about podcasts and part of why I wanted to be in the practice of doing a podcast is because I, I think a lot out loud and I process a lot by talking through it. And you know, sometimes I'll talk to myself through something, but there's just something about talking to yourself that's not the same versus when you're talking to someone else. You can you can process, I think, a lot better.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: The other similarity that you mentioned was the story aspect. So you know, you're telling a story through a design, but it's in a much uh, you need to really kind of streamline and and boil it down to something essential versus like what you said, a seventy thousand word book. You have a different sort of right. timeline in communicating the information.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for this, it'll probably be easier to talk more about like a book cover because it is a story than a podcast. Sure, yeah. So whenever I start doing a book cover, I really focus on a few things um, that. I send a long questionnaire to all my clients so that I can get an idea for their book and everything. But I personally focus on a few key things to start. So I always ask, what is the feel of the book? Because to me, when people look at art or they look at a cover design or just design in general, like that, that piece of art evokes a feeling in them. And so what I want, I want the feeling that they get when they look at the cover to match the feeling that they get when they read the book. And so that's really why I asked that, and that kind of gives me a jumping off point. Um, let's see. I also ask um, i I obviously ask for like the the book blurb. so it's the whole book in just a few sentences boiled down essentially, so that I can kind of get that ten thousand foot view that I need to be able to boil the whole book down into a cover. Um, and so those are really kind of the starting points because then I can I can take a look at different colors that I might want to use, um, different styles that I might want to use, and then just kind of build from there and kind of just be able to give the overall idea of the story, of the premise, of the most sellable points um, on the cover.
0: That's so cool. And is it something that is from that first sketch you feel like? you need to have a almost like a mastery of what story you're communicating through the art there? Or is that part of the developmental where where sometimes it might not be until the end where that really comes through? Like, How early on are you trying to really get into that essence of what the book stands for?
1: I mean, I definitely try to do it as soon as possible, but sometimes it doesn't come until the end. Every cover is really different because you have to make sure it's like aesthetically pleasing. You have to make sure that it matches the book. And so there's so many different factors working together. So sometimes I might come up with like a really cool concept and I'll sketch it out and then I'll start working on it. And I'm like, this does not look good. Like I, I just need to start over with this. So it's kind of, it depends on each project. Each project is so different.
0: So you have your covers and you have your writing. Was there one of them that came first? did you start making covers and thought, oh, I want to write a book too? Or did you start writing books and think, oh, I want to make covers?
1: No, I actually started writing first. Um, and then I kind of started by making like just little mock covers for my stories to help motivate me to finish them because I, w- I wanted to imagine them as like finished printed books, you know, from a big yeah. publisher and all that, the whole, the whole author dream. And they were extremely bad, but, um, that kind of started it. And then just the different writing communities communities that I was getting into, um, were a lot of, um, you know, indie books, stuff like that. But I was like, these covers, like most of them are just so bad. Like how hard can it be to make a cover that looks good and could actually compete with one from a major publisher. And so then I was like, you know, I'm going to try it turns out it is actually very hard and it takes a lot of practice, <laughs> but that kind of motivated me to start. And then I just completely fell in love with it.
0: Yeah. It's funny you say it like that because a uh, couple weeks ago, my friend Kaylin came on the show and we talked about how when you walk into a project, not knowing the true extent, of what's going to be required of you, it's a whole lot easier than if you actually knew what you were getting yourself into. And sometimes that's a good way to start is think, how hard can it be? It can't be that hard. And I'm just going to go for it. And so was there a moment where you stopped and thought, wait a second, this is way hard. Like, like what was the moment where you stopped and you thought this is way harder than I thought?
1: Yeah, it was probably a couple hours into my first adventure into Photoshop, and I was like, oh, it is so hard to get things to like look good and stuff like that, um, but I, I was like, you know, I can do this. Like, I, I want to be able to do this, and so it took a lot of perseverance um, to get through those first couple projects, but it really taught me a lot about how to use Photoshop, even if what I came out the product that I uh, ended up with was trash.
0: <laughs> That's funny you say it like that too. Like it took you hours because I think I actually want to ask you the same question about writing because for me with writing, it's such like a slow process and I think it's hard to identify if your writing is good or bad right away. And so I think it didn't dawn on me how difficult it was going to be to write a book until much further like until I was pretty far along into the process and it's just funny that I I imagined you like having this moment of when when you're like oh wow this is way harder but it's it's basically when you clicked open on photoshop and spent a few hours and got nowhere that you were like oh this is actually difficult so I just find that humorous but but what was it with with writing, did you have a similar experience there, or because you were writing first, you you were already in before you started thinking about those sorts of things?
1: I think it was probably when I started realizing that I actually needed to edit my work, because like when I first started, you know, just the writing itself, it was really fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, I actually started by writing Lord of the Rings fan fictions. You know how. How gruesome can writing fan fiction be, you know, (laughs) Um, because I was just doing it for fun. But it was definitely it was definitely when it came to editing that I realized, oh, yeah, this is a lot harder.
0: Yeah, because, oh, wait, I have to write it all again. (laughs) I already did that. Yeah. For both of those, what was it that kept you going? And you mentioned already with the design that you thought, oh, I really want to do this. This is what I want to do like, what was it about it that drew you to not only see that it was a challenge, but accept the challenge and, and try to, you know, learn, learn the actual uh, craft of design?
1: Yeah, I think my motivation to keep going was because I just really wanted to help other authors succeed. And I don't know, at the time, and I still kind of feel this way, that like a book it has a really tough time succeeding and getting in front of a lot of people if it doesn't have a high quality cover and you can have the best written book in the world. But if you don't have a good cover that people actually look at and want to buy it, then it's not going to sell well. And so I was really just kind of driven by that to, you know, be helpful to be able to, if I ended up wanting to self publish my own work in the future I wanted to make sure that I would have a good cover, um, and all of that. So that's really what got me past it. And also because I'm a perfectionist and I don't really want to quit anything.
0: <laughs> okay. So let's say you self-publish something. Are you like a hundred percent certain that you're like, I am going to design my own cover.
1: I don't know. I, I go back and forth because for me, it's really, because just because I'm so close to my own writing, it's really hard for me to take a step back and be like, well, what should the cover be? What style should it even be? Like, do I have the skills to give the cover what it needs? And then also I like see so many other designers who have just this incredible work. I'm like, oh... It would be awesome if they could do my cover. Like they would have, you know, an outside perspective. They would be able to do so much more. But then I'm like, but what if I hate the cover that they make? So <laughs> I go back and forth. <laughs> so I really have no idea. But I I feel like I'd probably end up doing my own, but I'd, I'd have to see when the time comes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a question I probably wouldn't have even asked, besides the fact that it, like a couple of days ago, I saw. The author of the series, uh, Malamander. I don't know if you've heard of the series, but, uh, the authors on Instagram and he posted that they were reprinting, uh, the first cover of Harry Potter in the UK. And I didn't realize that he had done this, but he was actually the cover designer for the first Harry Potter book Oh wow! in the UK. And I was like, wait a second, <laughs> um, I thought you were, you know, the author of this. Uh, I thought you were just an author of this other book, but here you were an uh, author and you're a cover designer. And then it made me pause again and say, wait a second, why didn't you design the cover for your own book? <laughs> and so, but hearing you talk about it, I'm like, yeah, that there's certain things that make sense about it. Um, and even, you know, coming to you for the podcast cover art, you brought things to the table that I would never have thought of, just being someone who's not concentrating on just the ins and outs of all the show details and so i do think that there's there's this value to collaboration where you can increase the value of whatever you're creating by working with someone else and i think you also see that in, you know that's why there's beta readers and and, and uh, critique partners and things like that but of course also if you're paying a designer you're Paying a designer instead of using your skill set to cut probably the biggest part of a the budget for or maybe that or an editor for for writing a book too. So there's pros and cons for sure.
1: Yeah, that's definitely another factor.
0: <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about the collaborative aspect of it. When you go back and forth with a client about a design that you're working on, how do you navigate Having a difference of opinion about things or hearing what the client is saying but thinking that they should really hear an additional perspective on something like like how do you balance kind of having your own creative ideas for a project but with also honoring what the the client wants for the work as well
1: yeah that's a really good question so ultimately because they are paying me and I want them to be happy with the end results I will end up doing what they want. But usually, I'll, if they feel really strongly about something and I don't agree or I think I have a better idea, I'll usually present them with multiple options and be like, here's what you want. Um, I think it might be a little bit better if I did this thing differently or something and explain why and be like, I came up with or I sent you both just so you can see both options side by side. Ultimately, I'll do whatever you want. But um, kind of here to so you can compare them. Um, or I'll just, you know, explain my reasoning or just kind of, if it's, if it's a minor thing, I'll probably just do it my way and be like, Hey, I think this looks better. Um, I can always change it if you don't like it, but kind of, here's why I made this design decision. So I always am, I always explain myself and everything just so everyone feels like they're being heard and you know, that they You know, are happy with the result because in the end, I want them to be happy and love what I came up with because you know it's their book or their podcast, and I want them to absolutely love
0: it. And I think your approach, where at least it worked well with me, because I remember sending you emails about different things that I wanted, but I remember before sending those emails thinking, oh, I also don't want to influence like how Megan's thinking about it. I, I don't want to make you. Put aside an idea that you would have had if I hadn't, you know, used whatever my stupid opinion was to like, <laughs> <laughs> like say something. So, uh, so, but I really appreciated that you took everything I said and considered it, but didn't let that lock you into to having an idea that could go in a different direction. So, yeah, I, I would definitely vouch for you being a a good person to collaborate with. In terms of, I think I walked away with something that that was exactly what I. Came for, uh, but also it was there were so many aspects of the design that I just never would have thought of and didn't expect at all going into it. I think that's a great marker of of a good collaboration is is getting exactly what you want out of it, but also something that you don't expect. Yeah, definitely. So let's go back to your writing a little bit. So you mentioned you were writing before you started designing, but was that what was the moment where you started? you know, putting pen to paper or uh, finger to keyboard and starting to type up or write down stories? Were, were you pretty young? Was it more recent?
1: I've always enjoyed stories, but I started writing not seriously, just like a little bit in fourth grade, um, because I that was my first year in public school. I was homeschooled before, and I really hated writing before. Like, I would fight my mom on it But then I went to school in fourth grade um, at the time was all about writing and everything. And so we had lots of opportunities to write stories and and I really just loved it. So I would write a bunch of short stories. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to write a really long novel, you know, like a whole book and like a page and a half later it was it was done. But (laughs) but I still really enjoyed it. Um, And then I kind of just did it off and on. But it really wasn't until I think it was eighth grade And I watched the first Hobbit movie. I hadn't read the book yet, but I watched it and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And so then I was just really inspired to start writing. And so I started writing Lord of the Rings fan fiction. I wrote a bunch of it. And that's kind of when I decided that this is something that I want to seriously pursue. So then I started writing consistent or trying to write consistently, um, you know, learning more about the craft and really getting into writing communities and everything.
0: And I think it's such a good way to get kind of practice on certain elements, too. Like one thing that I wish I I wish I did more stuff like that when I was younger just to get into the routine of of writing, because there's just so many facets of it that that I think, you know, I always compare it to like some athletic activity or something like that, where, you know, if you're trying to climb a mountain, you probably should have been walking around first. (laughs) Like you shouldn't be rolling out of bed and just hiking for the first time and it's Mount Everest, which is kind of the equivalent to trying a novel. So yeah, I think, I think especially for people who are getting into writing, doing something like fan fiction where kind of the world is already built for you. You have some characters to work with. Like you can just get right into dialogue or a scene and just start playing around. And, and I think that's a really healthy thing to do. Uh, When you started doing some more original things. Did you feel like a lot of the Lord of the Rings vibes were coming into your original work too? Was there something that, that the inspiration continued over or did you start writing something completely different?
1: Yeah, I started writing completely different. Um My first book was like a mess, but <laughs> it was kind of a mix of like sci-fi time travel, um, but it also had like a large fantasy and fairy retail, fairy tale retelling element. So it was kind of like a bunch of everything, but I'd say that I definitely wanted to keep some of the Lord of the Rings, but I kind of just wanted like everything at once. So
0: is this idea that you kept developing or did you find it was hard to keep up with having so many different things?
1: Oh, no, I went through like... <laughs> like 15 drafts of that book. So, oh, wow! no, I had a hard time giving it up, but eventually I realized like, okay, I need to let this book go. Cause I really want, I just, I really wanted to be published and it took me so long to like actually just write the first draft. So I was like, all right, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let this go to waste. You know, I I'm gonna publish this thing. So spoiler alert, it will never be published, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I learned a lot through that whole process.
0: Yeah, there's something special about a first book, I think, no matter if it was to be published or if it wasn't to be published, because I think there's, for a lot of writers, there's something more, there's just something really raw in there that's a reflection of themselves uh, that, again, is probably in future books as well. But I think with that first work, at least for me and other people I've talked to, like you're getting a lot out of you that's inside that like needs to be out in a story somehow. And also, it's like you said, just the learning that you do from it, like seeing seeing those 15 drafts that you mentioned and what draft one looked like compared to what draft 15 looks like. I imagine mm-hmm. there's just a sort of just sense of accomplishment.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm still, it still has a special place in my heart, but it will also never see the light of day.
0: <laughs> so, okay. So you've, you wrote that first book there and my assumption is you've been writing other books now and it, how yeah, did you definitely. have a uh, a list of books that you've done or or are you on book two? like what what are where you're at right now in your writing process?
1: I'm currently working on revisions and trying to get published um, my third book, but I have written four books, so I have another draft that's kind of sitting waiting to be edited.
0: Do you see a connection between any of the things that you've written? Or, you know, like you were saying before, like Lord of the Rings is fantasy and you have the sci-fi and all this other stuff mixed. I don't mean as much as the genre, but is there there any attribute of the the book that you see some crossover between themes or types of characters or situations?
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of redemption arcs in my books. Um, I'm always a fan of a redemption arc, and I really like having really complex villains. Don't know how well I accomplished that in my earlier books, but it's something that I attempted. (laughs) But yeah, I just really love having those two things in there.
0: Have you identified what you love about that specifically? Or is it just something where you're like, Oh, wow, I always have that. And I like it.
1: Yeah, I don't really know why. I think maybe I just find redemption arcs are really beautiful. Because you know, that's just the story of the bible is just one huge redemption arc um and i don't know it's just something i've always really loved in stories that i'm reading i've always kind of loved i've always found villains really interesting um and all of that so i guess let's just tropes that i always have in my books
0: <laughs> but do you see those same things like the redemption arc and the complex villain do you see those things popping up in media that you watch or that you read and you think, oh, that like, yeah, give me more of this. Or is it more yes. unique to what you like to, okay. so
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the most recent one that's coming to mind is Loki, the new show that's on Disney+. Plus. Um, that's that's like a giant redemption arc that's still going on. But I think that's really interesting. And, you know, he's just such a fun character in kind of a dark way, but <laughs> he's still fun. Um, Oh, Once Upon a Time has a really great redemption arc, um, as well.
0: I don't know that one. Is that is that a movie or I It's I a like show. It. Yeah, it's a it's show. A show. Okay.
1: It's it's basically like a bunch of fairy tale retellings and stuff like that. And so the redemption arc is with um well I don't I don't wanna spoil it for you, but it's really good. Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, good. So anyone who wants to check out a good redemption arc, Once Upon a Time is a good one to look into. Yes. Do you find these things that inspire your writing, like the redemption themes and the themes of, and having complex characters, uh, especially with the villain, do you find yourself uh, doing designs, either drawn to client work that's related to that, or even I know that you do some of your own concepts where you know you might redesign something that's that's a movie poster or like do you find yourself taking these ideas and not only writing about it but also doing design work for it or do you find your inspiration for design is in a completely different category
1: I think my inspiration for design is in a completely different category just cuz i get like a variety of different book covers to design so it's not just all that. I think my inspiration for covers comes mostly like from different visuals that I see and just kind of like a connection between that and story, if that makes sense. But like a lot of it is visual because it is, you know, a visual uh, medium.
0: What are you usually going to first when you're trying to tell a story through a design? Do you think about the colors first or the typography?
1: Yeah, it kind of, depends on the cover to be honest a lot of times I will start with the typography just because that is such an important part of the design and it has to kind of integrate into everything and it really just has to be perfect so a lot of times I will start there so that I can you know do the illustration or the design around it interacting with it um, and stuff like that Um, So sometimes I start there. Sometimes I'll have like an idea for some colors that I want to use. Sometimes it'll be like, oh, this one, this one particular illustration style would be absolutely perfect. Um, So there's a bunch of different starting points and it kind of just depends on like where I'm at when I'm going to start the cover design.
0: At school, are you studying writing or design or is, or is this kind of a, a a side thing for you? Or are you trying to tie in your studies to this? Like, what are you studying in school?
1: Yeah, I'm studying graphic design. So that ties in more with the book covers than anything else.
0: And when you're studying it, uh, you know, every school handles things a little bit differently. Are, are you doing a lot of hands-on stuff? Is it more theory, a mix of both?
1: It's mostly like hands-on stuff. Well, on the computer, but you know, hands-on, we're actually working on design projects and stuff like that. Um, There are some more theory classes. Like last year, I think I took a color theory class. Um, So, you know, that's more theory, just how colors like work together and stuff. But we still had like actual projects that we had to do in that class.
0: The projects that you get in school, do you feel like there's there is a lot of crossover between when you're working with a real client or have you felt like the client experience is a completely different ball game?
1: I think the client experience is a lot different just because it's different designing to turn something in for a grade for professors than like turning something into a client. Because like when you're turning in something for a grade, like it's only you in the process usually. I mean, obviously the professor will give a little bit of feedback kind of as you're working on it, as they're like looking over your shoulder and stuff but when you turn something into a client then they'll be like oh well what if you do this i'm not sure i really like that and then the design i think always ends up turning a lot better than it would be if you just kind of turning in something that you you just did based on like your own preferences and all the ideas that only you have come up with um to a professor. So I really like that better about client work. I feel like my designs are always a lot better than ones that I kind of just work by myself on, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. So the feedback that you're getting from someone else, the fact that someone else is invested in what you're doing, that raises the bar for your own expectations, but also it probably challenges you in new ways as well.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes,
0: definitely. Do you find that you take things that you learned from different clients and bring that to future work as well? Or is it almost like each client is kind of a different sort of, is a different thing that you're learning that's kind of exclusive to that project? Or do you find yourself taking something you learned from one client project and implementing it in something else?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. Like with each project, I always try to learn something new or do something that's outside of my comfort zone. Just so I'm you know, not making the same thing over and over again. But obviously the skills that I've learned with previous clients and things like that, they all carry over. Sometimes I'm like, oh, this one thing that I did for this other cover would be perfect for this new project. So it's kind of a mixed bag.
0: What was the last design thing that you felt brought you out of your comfort zone?
1: The last thing was definitely an illustration that I just did for myself, but I had to do a lot of things that I'm not usually comfortable doing. I had to like actually work on like illustrating people, which is not, it's not my thing at all. I'm so bad at it. Um, but I really had to like force myself to do it. Cause you know, eventually I might need to know that too, you know, for a client and I'd rather <laughs> be more confident when I have to do it for a client than, you know, when I'm just doing something for fun for myself.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So it's probably the right approach too, because if I was anticipating an answer, I I might assume that, oh, a client's bringing you something that you hadn't thought of. And I'm sure that happens too. But your approach is probably the smart one is anticipating what you might need to do that's going to be out of your comfort zone and getting used to it beforehand.
1: Yeah. And it definitely depends on you know, what it is, if it's something that is easy to learn, or something or like easier to accomplish. But I feel like, you know, painting people is probably about as hard as it gets. So (laughs) I should not do that for the first time for a client.
0: Obviously, you're going to school to increase your understanding of design and to improve your design. You also say you're setting new challenges for yourself. And that's kind of teaching you as well. What other resources do you go to to learn these different things like when you're trying to improve how you can draw people was that based on material that you had in class and then you were practicing it more on your own or did you go to something outside of your school work and and look up like a YouTube tutorial or something like that
1: Yeah I usually always <laughs> this might seem bad but I I actually have learned more just from doing things myself And from like looking up YouTube tutorials that I actually have in my classes, um, I don't know that my college's graphic design program is the best. So like for when I was doing the people uh, particularly, I kind of just, was looking at reference images and trying to kind of experiment on how to do it. I learn a lot just from experimentation because sometimes just following a rigid tutorial, and I don't know how to alter it or do anything like, but what they're specifically teaching. Um, so I actually kind of learn a lot from just experimentation, but you know, I will go to YouTube, um, different things like that, especially if I need help with like a technical aspect of Photoshop, like how do I I don't know. This is really simple, but how do I crop an image or something like that? Like I just need to know what button to hit or something like that. So,
0: so it's almost like the technical aspect of it, like the really nitty gritty, you'll look something up, but if it's more of a, an artistic, an artistic thing that you're going for that you kind of experiment on your own with.
1: Yes. Or if I know like exactly what I want to do, like how to do it, then I'll like kind of look it up or something like that. But Yeah, I kind of, I do a lot of experimentation.
0: So you mentioned, again, working with drawing kind of human images and challenging yourself to do that. Is there ever a challenge that you make for yourself and think, oh, I'm not ready for that challenge. I need to come back to it. Or are you, do you like keep going after it until you get it right? Like, what's kind of your approach to that self-learning?
1: It it kind of depends (laughs) on how much, I guess how much effort I want to put into something at that time because I don't, I don't like just doing like random exercises or something. I like having like an actual product that I'm proud of. So like when I was doing this particular illustration, there were a couple of things that I had in the original sketch that I was like, I don't know how to even go about this. So then I would change it to something else that I knew was more attainable But I would still be happy with the result because I did, you know, I wanted to end up being happy with the result. And then I think what I ended up coming with would have been, you know, nicer than what I would have done if I hadn't altered those things, you know. So it's kind of just like a mixture of
0: both. It sounds like having that final project is like a big, or having a final product is a big motivator for you because you mentioned that here. And then you also mentioned that was kind of how you got into design in the first place. Uh, and I've noticed on your Instagram and on your website, you have a lot of different, like you'll take a book that already exists and do like your own cover of it or a movie that mm-hmm. already exists and do your own poster for it. And I think that's super cool. What do you think it is about having like a like something that stands for like a completed work? Like what do you think the difference is between that and just like doing like a, a a simpler exercise that might just be focused on one particular aspect of something?
1: I don't really know. I haven't really thought about that before, but it's definitely true to me. I really, I kind of do do it for the final product. And of course I do enjoy the process as well, but I don't, I don't know. I just like having things completed. I guess I'm kind of like that in life too. Like I don't like things left on my to-do list. I don't like unfinished things.
0: I wonder too, because I think, I think I have some of that in me as well, where very early on in the writing process, before I even know if this is something that I want to try to publish or, you know, before I've even completed writing it, (laughs) I'll, I'll be looking up images that if I was, again, I don't plan on designing my own cover but I'll look up images as if I was designing my own cover and I'll like sketch out what I think the cover should look like.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: So I have different sketches of my book as a completed book. And there is something about that that I don't know if that helps just the overall vision and kind of reminding myself that what I create is meant to be something that somebody else will hold in their hand one day and read. And And I wonder if that influences... My writing in a positive way, but all like I've gone as far too in the past where I will look up like audiobook readers or like you know <laughs> just stuff that is like like well beyond like even getting the cover done and just to think like oh what wh- like imagine what I'm doing now but read by this person and I don't know I think I think there's something that it actually helps the quality of what I'm writing but I think. Part of it is also me wanting to picture the project as a completed work, because that's kind of what the goal is. And sometimes there's exercise, like I've done like flash fiction or, or just, you know, writing certain things that, that won't be, you know, that aren't intended to be a full work, but that's super rare with how I work. What I write is usually always related to a bigger picture thing. And even like one book that i've i've almost finished now started as a short story but then it evolved into this full thing mm-hmm. i just wonder how much of that is because part of me is incapable of having an incomplete project kind of similar to what you mentioned yep. so
1: <laughs> yeah i definitely do the same thing like i always i always have the title picked out before i start writing i usually have some form of cover designed even if i'm not 100% happy with it like i have something you know
0: as a kid did you admire completed products like a dvd box or or a book on your shelf did you hold that in your hand and and admire what it was as a product do you think there's any link there cuz i did that like all the time i'd be like wow look at this lord of the rings box set you know
1: i can't remember i don't think i ever did that i might have done it with books but definitely not with dvd's or anything um i think i more just read the books when i was younger but As I've gotten older and everything, I have definitely started doing that with books and just like any sort of design, really. Like whenever I'm out, like I have a really good friend who's also going to school for graphic design and or she just graduated with graphic design. But like if I see a really cool sign or something, like I'll take a picture of it and send it to her and stuff. So I do that more now than I did when I was little.
0: Do you think that there was a link between when you started designing things and you started writing to when you had that?
1: I think I admired design before I actually got into it. Um, just because, you know, I got more into like the the YA fiction world and all that. And a lot of that has to do with like cover reveals and all those fun things. Um, so I think it was probably around the time when I started writing.
0: I wonder if it's just always been a hobby of mine to be into like having a completed product because... So, some of the work that I did uh, before writing, I worked with a magician and we had, we did like an online store and had all these different products, a lot of them original products. And I just Mm -hmm. always found it was super fun to work on them. And then I remember doing that job and thinking way back to when I was in, oh, it must have been, it must have been like fifth grade, fourth grade, somewhere around there. And I had this origami book and I just would make these origami frogs and I started selling them for 50 cents (laughs) each. And then it got shut down by the school. They're like, sorry, you can't sell things. I'm like, what? This is like my entrepreneurial spirit, like at work, like, but, but so I think as a kid, like I was always into like creating something that could then be sold and like having that satisfaction of that process. Mm -hmm. And I remember too, as a kid looking at um, products and specifically, you know, not, not like, you know, not like a hairdryer in the packaging or whatever, but, yeah. but like something that I cared about, like, like Pokemon on, on the cartridge and like admiring how it looked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I wonder if, if that was being born in me at that certain age and for you, it was born at a different age. And that's kind of where mm-hmm. it's, you start to look at everything and you're like, oh, wow. Um, like I have a couple of products in front of me here and it's just like, oh, wow. Like the way they, they did that. I really admire it. And I, you know, makes me inspired to that. I eventually have something that, that people are drawn to. Mm -hmm. So you have these two different disciplines of writing and the design work. And both of these are big pursuits of yours. They're also like we discussed at the beginning. They're not, they're not just like a walk in the park. Like, like these are two very difficult artistic endeavors that you're taking on simultaneously what is it that drives you to, to take on these challenges, um, not just one, but both of them?
1: Yeah, I think it's because I just love both of them. Like, you know, when you really get into the groove of doing something and so you're just you're writing or you're doing some, some type of art or just something that you love and just like as you're doing it, you're like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. And I get that with both of them. So I think that's why um, neither one of them like really is secondary to the other. I mean, I have different points where, you know, design is more important or when writing is more important, but with both of them, I just equally feel like, you know, this is what I was, this is what God made me to do.
0: Well, that's great. So yeah, it's, so it's not as much of a, uh, it's like someone asking me like, oh, uh, why do you like eating ice cream and burgers. And it's like, well, because they're both awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but that's great. Yeah, because I think there are certain things I like to dabble in things, um, you know, that some of which I don't ever see myself doing in the future, but it's just kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And certain ones very quickly I identify as, oh, this is something that I'm not enjoying whatsoever versus um, something artistic that, that brings a lot of value to me. And so it's cool that, that you've identified these two things and that you're actively pursuing both of them at the same time. I think that's, I think that's super inspiring uh, because I think there's a lot of people out there that they don't just have one interest. They have, they have multiple things that they want to pursue. And so I think it's great that you found a connection between these two worlds uh, for you and that you're pursuing both. So, Uh, We'll have links to uh, your website and Instagram on our website, causeofcraft.com. But what's the best way for people to connect with you directly and see some of your work?
1: If you want to see just my work, my website is probably the best way. But if you want to know more about my writing, and just kind of who I am as a person, as a reader, and as a designer, kind of all in one, my Instagram is probably the best place to go.
0: Well, great. Thanks so much for coming on, uh, Megan. I really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. And I'm excited to watch you grow in the future, both in your design work and uh, in your upcoming books. So thanks so much for spending time with us today.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause of Craft. You can find links to Megan's website and Instagram in the show notes. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and follow Cause of Craft on Instagram, where I post quotes and visual companions for each episode. If you enjoy the show, please consider telling a friend about it and leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews will help more people discover this content. And if you have feedback, suggestions, or guest recommendations, send an email to john at causeofcraft.com. That's J-O-N at causeofcraft.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.